Otani is signed, but the rest of the market is pretty quiet still. There really isn't anything new going on in the world of the Mariners. So what do you guys want to talk about? I'll answer some of your questions coming up here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, December 11th, 2023. This is Tiny Gonzalez and Colby Pattenhead for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-D-O-N to get yourself started. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. It is Mailbag Monday, the show where we answer your Mariners questions, and we're going to start here with Patrick, who wants to know, with the Braves now trading away both Marco Gonzalez and Evan White rather painlessly, why couldn't the M's have done the same thing? Was it really necessary to trade away Kelnick? Why couldn't they have made similar trades the Braves did? Two very different situations between the Braves and the Mariners and how both of those teams handled trading away the contracts of both Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. The Mariners rid themselves of pretty much the entirety of both of those contracts, save for the $4.5 million they sent to Atlanta in those deals. Meanwhile, the Braves actually ended up taking on salary from the Angels when they traded Evan White to Anaheim and took on the contracts of Max Stassi and David Fletcher. That's about $6 million more in 2024 and about 3 to $3.5 million more uh, from now through 2026 when you factor in White's guaranteed 2025 salary and his buyout in 2026 and then Fletcher's guaranteed salary in 2025 and his buyout in 2026. Um, the Braves did turn around and flip Max Stassi to the White Sox, but because they didn't take anyone back who's making money, I would assume that they are paying most of, if not that entire contract on Stassi. And when they traded Marco to the Pirates, uh, there, there was a report that they did include cash in that deal. Some conflicting reports about how much that is. I've heard anywhere from the entirety of the contract to about half. Let's split the difference and just say that they're paying most of it, right? So uh, very two different situations here where the Mariners, the value of the deal and why they had to attach Kelnick to it was because they needed to shed payroll. They needed to free payroll. For the Braves, the Braves just didn't see Marco as a fit for their 26-man roster and didn't want Evan White on their 40-man roster and they ended up flipping those guys and paying for them to essentially go away and take on players that they would rather have like David Fletcher, for example. Now, maybe they still flip Fletcher uh, like they did with Stassi, but uh, they're, they're doing a lot of roster turning over there, but very, very different situations. For the Mariners, it was just they weren't it wasn't about trading the players away it was about trading the the money away whereas for the braves it was about trading the players away rather than the money right um you know seattle trading marco like the braves did or trading evan white like uh like the braves did uh that wouldn't have helped them reach their goal their goal was to shed the contracts you have to eat 
all of or most of Marco's contract to trade him to the Pirates, you're not saving money. You're saving what two million bucks? That helps, but that's you're also not getting a player out of it. You trade Evan White to the to the Angels, you're not getting just David Fletcher. You, the reason that the Angels took that deal is because that they were also shedding Stassi's contract. So yeah. you're adding seven million dollars just to get rid of a seven million dollar contract. It doesn't make sense. The math doesn't math. So two teams with two different uh you know goals essentially making two completely different style trades. Yeah, that's how it works. Unfortunately, you know, the front office is in a position where they have to value the financial flexibility over getting full value for the player that they traded. Um, so, you know, essentially what the, what the Braves did is, is they bought Jared Kelnick for $13 million and then they bought, uh, they bought David Fletcher for, I don't know what, like $9 million or something like that. That's basically what they did. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, the idea that the, the Braves schooled the Mariners on how to do this, no, because if the Mariners just wanted Marco off the 26 man, they would have made a deal just like this, but they wanted to get rid of the contract. That was the big thing for them. So, um, yeah, just two different teams with two different goals. And as a result, you have two different processes. That's just how yeah. it works. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, at the end of the day, the difference is the Braves wanted the players, the Mariners needed, uh, the money. So that's, it's unfortunate that that's the way it is, but, that's the way it was, and that's why the trades look really different. Right. The uh, the Braves did not own the Mariners, which is kind of the misconception on Twitter. The Mariners own the Mariners because the Mariners are cheap. So mm-hmm. that's just what it boils down to. Thanks, John. Yeah. Next question here on Mailbag Monday comes from Christian. In an effort to avoid full nihilism, since it's only checks notes December, and we've got a lot of offseason left, Thank you, Christian, first of all, for your perspective. I I appreciate it. It's a breath of fresh air. Uh, Christian says, two parts. Who takes a bigger step forward next season between Walter and Furious George? And who takes a bigger bigger step between uh, Wu and Miller? First you guys of all, really... it's a terrible nickname for George Kirby. W- uh, what's a better na- nickname for, for George? How about just George Kirby? I like Jorge. I like calling him Jorge. I mean, like, whatever. Which isn't really a nickname. That's just George, but I like Jorge. Jorge Solid. Whatever. Apparently he's at the Renaissance Fair today, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you call him. How about we just call him by his name? Um, You're no fun at all. I I just like, I don't like bad nicknames. Furious George is a bad one. Let's just call it what it is. Well, he just doesn't really come off as furious to me. No. Like, is that maybe in reference to when, like, they put him back out there in Tampa? I, I don't know. It's it's like, not like it's not like angry Doug Baldwin, you know? No, no. So, um, yeah, I just I don't like bad nick. Like, if you don't have a good nickname for somebody, I'm just not going to call them that. Sure. Get out of here. That's bad. Right, let's, let's, That's let's bad answer, and you know it. Let's answer the question. Uh, Gilbert, uh, because he has more, you know, more room to grow. Than, than Kirby. If Kirby just puts up the, the season he did every year for the rest of his career, he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> like, like, I just, like, I, I feel like expecting him to take yet another step? Mm, I don't know. Possible. I think there, I mean, I, I think there are ways that he can take a step forward to induce more swing and miss and also kind of counteract the overly aggressive uh, game sure. plans from, from teams. And, and I mm-hmm. feel like, like, 
Gilbert's step forward season, like his big step forward season was 2023. And now it's more just about building on on that because like he had to refine his repertoire. And I feel like he did that in 2023. Now it's just kind of building on top of that. I hear you. And yet I don't care because right. I completely disagree. All right. Um, Why do so, you disagree? <laughs> because I because that's my job mostly. Right, right, right. right. Um, mm-hmm. I have a brand to protect Ty. That's Unlike right. the that's Mariners right. who are just naming people Furious George. Like, that's a good idea. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. So I just who takes the bigger step? I'm going with with Logan because I feel like he has a larger step to take than George. So, mm. um, yeah, you know, obviously there are things George can can fix the the uh you know inducing more swing and miss is a big one uh not being like basically every time that that george has been like crushed it's been the same game plan so mm-hmm. how do you counter counteract that that's something that you can take a step forward with uh for gilbert it's more about just the the package overall like can you be more consistent with the splitter can you find a breaking ball that is somewhat yeah. consistent and if you compare even like a half a grade up on the slider would make a world of difference for, for Logan because he throws plenty of strikes. Um, so I, I think it's just about uh, Gilbert just kind of refining that breaking ball a little bit. And I think he can take a huge step. Like he doesn't have to come up with a new pitch like he did the winter before the fastball splitter mm-hmm. combo is going to work for him. So long as he can get the splitter near the strike zone. But if he can add a breaking ball, something that moves away uh, from righties and into lefties, um, and then I think he, he could really, you know, jump up and be a, a 10 K per nine guy and, you know, two and a half base on ball per nine and, and be a five one pitcher. I think he can do that with just a small tweak. Uh, I'm not sure what, what George is going to do to counteract uh, his issues because he hasn't necessarily learned a new pitch. Like, I mean, he threw the knuckleball, but like Gilbert and obviously that's is, going to carry over into 2024 sure. and is now a weapon for him. But I mean, like Gilbert basically decided, oh, yeah, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a splitter last winter. And he brought it into the big leagues immediately. And it was a good pitch right away. Like that's which is also going to be the case for Bryce Miller, of course. (laughs) Sure. Um, But yeah, I I guess I would say uh, I'd say Gilbert just because he's got a bigger step to take to reach his Mm -hmm. ceiling. I think whereas I feel like George is pretty close to his ceiling, but there, there obviously there is still another step. Right. Uh, the Miller and Wu, I, I, I think it's Miller. Um, he's just further along. Uh, Wu. Yeah. Uh, and obviously still has a, a ton of room to grow, but he's just a little bit further along than, than Wu is. And, and Wu still, they, they still might have to watch him. Um, yeah. With his, with his, uh, innings count, his pitch count, um, over the course of the year. So, I mean, cause again, this guy is not that far removed from Tommy John surgery and he hasn't thrown a lot of professional innings in general, not just at the major league level, but just in professional baseball as a whole. So uh, I think they're going to have to keep an eye on him. And, and there's, um, you know, there's no guarantee that he is going to be part of this rotation by season's end. He might end up going into the bullpen or they might have to shut him down again or he, he might end up in AAA. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. Still really, really high on Brian Wu. Don't get me wrong. And I, and I think he's going to be a, a very good pitcher in the in the future. But uh, yeah, as of 2024, I think there's still a lot of question marks with Wu. And I think with, with Miller, there's just far fewer question marks. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see, you know, how he, uh, how he approaches, you know, like, Gilbert refining his repertoire as a whole 
not because like he's just he's not going to be able to just survive on that fastball it'll work for him some starts but over the course of a full season especially now that the mm-hmm. league has more of a book on him uh, he's going to need uh, something to keep hitters off balance so uh, it's going to be a big off season for Miller but uh, I think there's definitely uh, an easier path to see there for him to take a big step forward than Wu right now in my opinion yeah, I think for 2024, it's Miller just because he he should be ready to go. He should be able to give you 170 innings next year. Yep. And Wu, we just don't know. If you ask me like, who has more upside in their entire career, for the rest of their career, assuming they both stay relatively healthy, I might pick Brian Wu because mm-hmm. yep. that fastball is... I think you can make an argument it's better than, than Miller's um, for different reasons. So yeah. uh, I think it it's going to be kind of... Yeah, I, I think it just kind of is becoming a race of whoever can develop that that primary secondary quicker. Yeah, like that's going to yeah. be the more valuable player. So at least we've seen a decent slider from from uh, Miller in the past. So I guess I'd give him the edge. But uh, if there's like if if Wu comes back in his spring training, he's got a 55 slider like with his four seam and two seam. That's mid rotation right there yeah. for as many innings as he can give you. So. Yeah. Uh, both these guys are really just one pitch away uh, from jumping into being a, a number three starter for a lot of Agreed. teams. Agreed. Agreed. More questions coming up here on Mailbag Monday. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and a whole lot more. And the Mariners might not be playing right now, but the Kraken and Seahawks are. So whether the action is on turf or on the ice, whether it's Jared McCann or Geno Smith, you can bet on it all with FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, that's L-O-C-K-D-O-N, and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. But are the Seahawks and Kraken really playing right now? Really? Are they? Are they? They are taking the field. That is all I can say about them. You're listening to the Locked Out Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And also a reminder that we are now at three shows a week here on Locked On Mirrors for the next couple months, pretty much until pitchers and catchers report in mid-February. Uh, we'll be posting episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday here on Locked On. We will be moving our Patreon shows to Tuesday and Thursday uh, during that time as well. So Colby and I are just recording once a day. Uh, but don't fret if there is a move that happens on a Tuesday, Thursday, or on the weekend. We will do an emergency show. And lastly, question of the day. What is the best NBC mockumentary? Is it The Office or is it Parks and Recreation? Let us know in the comments below. Let us know in the chat. Totality, Parks and Rec. Best, yeah. like just highest quality at their best, The Office. 
yeah yeah peak office mm-hmm. but consistency yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Consi- consistency goes to parks and rec yeah mm-hmm. for sure yep all right Daisy and the Dingo wants to know, seeing how dismal T-Mobile Park ranks in the uh, baseball savant park factors, could you ever see the team changing any of the field dimensions to try to bring it back closer to a neutral field? Would there be any incentive for them to do so? Uh, I mean, they did that in the past with the uh, the left field wall. They brought that in. And there was a time where that did help things, but recently, uh, I mean, it this year this past year it was the most pitcher friendly ballpark in all of baseball so um they could do that will they do that i don't think so what is the point of doing that yeah because look because like yeah it makes it more attractive for hitters but then now it's less attractive for pitchers and less favorable for pitchers you know so it just you're just kind of adjusting the slider you're just adjusting the slider and like you know it's one thing is going to get worse while one thing gets better. So is it really like, is that actually worth it to you? Eh. Yeah. One thing you can't really control either is the weather. Uh, yeah. It's cold. It's windy. It's wet. Uh, and you know, March, April, and May, that's just the way it is. So um, I don't see much of a, a benefit to, to doing that. And even if you do it, it's probably going to be a couple years before free agent hitters look at that and go like, okay, so this isn't, you know, right it needs to be a proven concept yeah Yeah. and so if it doesn't work in year one and two are you going to bring it in even more right and the only thing that you like yeah well and the only thing that you really need to adjust there is the left field wall again right because it's just right i mean you bring it in five ten feet but like i think at that point it's like 311 right down the line and at that point it's you're getting pretty close uh to what is like reasonable so uh, I would say no. I, I just don't think there's a reason to just build a better team for your ballpark. Like team yeah. mobile parks, beautiful. And, and like the Kansas city Royals have done in the past, if you build a team that fits your ballpark better then you have home field advantage, which is literally the point. So uh, right. I don't think bringing in the walls, um, I don't think that's going to do much. And like you said, it, it's mostly just the, the left field wall. That's a problem. Uh, left field is where fly balls typically die. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I guess you could bring that in like four or five feet, but yeah, maybe maybe that gonna make in April and May. Maybe you can bring in left center a bit. But... I guess, but just build a better team. Yeah, take advantage of the ballpark you do have. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. We got one here from Max. Cleveland reported the Mariners have checked in on Josh Naylor. If there is a trade for him, can he and Ty France coexist on the same roster? They rotate DH or Naylor plays outfield. Also, side question, will the Patreon show release earlier now that you don't have to record twice? So to answer the second part of the question, yes, because we'll be recording around uh, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific time. That's when we always uh, record. Uh, So because we're not going to be doing double recordings and therefore doing locked on first before the patreon show will be recording earlier and therefore the show will come out earlier unless i have like something somewhere to go or something to do before i have a chance to edit the show so unless he has a better opportunity uh than getting you guys the show that you pay for right Uh, yeah but yeah it'll Uh, come out a couple hours earlier can france and and naylor coexist on the same roster as of now yes 
because that DH spot is mm-hmm. wide, wide open. open. Yep. Wide open. So, yes. That's the only way they can, though, because uh, you're not putting Naylor in the outfield. Don't even think about it. No, no, no. So, nope. Yeah. So, yes, right now they can. Um, if you go and you add, like, Jorge Soler, then, no, they cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. At least not, not in a way that's conducive to the Mariners' you know, best chances to win. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. To be nice. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like the Naylor idea a lot. I uh, completely understand why the Mariners have checked in on him. Uh, that mm-hmm. comes as no surprise whatsoever. Um, it's going to be I expensive. Have no though. idea how you get him. Yeah. Naylor's only got two years of club control left too. So yeah. do you want to trade Miller or Wu for two years of Naylor? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. So yeah, yeah tight fit. But you know, maybe you get Klaus A or, or Bieber out of it or something too. But yeah, uh, they can coexist. I wouldn't say that's a likely uh, move that the Mariners are going to pull off. And yes, the Patreon shows will come out a couple hours earlier, just on Tuesday and Thursday now, instead of Monday and Wednesday. Yep. Next question here. Final question from Mark. What would a Mitch Garver contract look like? Would you do it? Yeah, Garver's an interesting guy. Not really a, not really a full-timer. Uh, he only played 89 games last year. Um, obviously, you know, Jonah Heim having a breakout year limited his opportunities beyond the plate. And then it took him a while to kind of latch on as the full-time DH, uh, for Texas, but there's no doubt that he can hit, uh, certainly he can. So you do get some value from him catching, but he's not a good catcher. So you kind of have to be careful about overvaluing maybe 20 starts that you get from him there. And then at that point, he's first base DH only who's never you know, been this good over at the course of a full season. He's 31 years old. Like there, there are some red flags, um, you know, around Garver, but he's also a really good hitter. So, I mean, or at least he has been recently. So yeah, you have to take a shot on somebody. I, I think Garver, I think where Seattle would probably feel comfortable on Garver is something like two and 32, like 15, 16, AAV, something like that. Uh-huh. I think what Garver's probably looking for is four and 70, something in that range. So it feels like there's maybe a, a meaty, uh, you know, a middle ground here where it's three and 54, something like that, three and 50, somewhere in that range. Um, and that's, that's pretty close to like the max I would pay for him uh, because I, I do have questions and, Again, the the catching twenty games thing, like, is that more valuable to me than Lourdes Gurriel, who is going to play good left field for hundred and thirty games, but he's not going to hit as much as Garver? Which one would I rather have? That's close. It, you know, it, it's up for discussion. So I think I'd probably rather have Gurriel, but I think um, I think Garver might be a little bit cheaper in terms of money and uh, in terms of money and years. So I think yeah, probably my guess is what he ends up getting is like three and 56 somewhere in that word three somewhere between three and 50 to 55 somewhere in that range uh right but i, I think he's probably looking for like four and 70 yeah if the mayor is signed garber i'd be fine with that i'd be cool with that it's a good ad uh but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put it like this if it's between like garver at three and 50 and solaire at like three and 60 i'm going solaire so I'd agree. That's a long-winded way of saying that Garver's not my first choice. I like Garver. No. Good hitter, but would like other 
players more than him. Yeah. Would you rather, fun hypothetical here, would you rather trade whatever you think the freight is for Brent Rooker or give Garver three years, 50, let's just three years, 50 million, just make it easy. What'd you rather do? Assume that Oakland will take a bulk deal. Rooker. Yeah, I think so too. Spike Garver being a better hitter, Mm -hmm. at least right now. So yeah, in, in theory, maybe I'd rather give Rooker save my money. Right. And hopefully yep, the 15 million. put that m- money into something else that I need. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just, I think some people are overvaluing Garber's ability to catch a little bit. Mm. And they're kind of ignoring the fact that I don't think he has a season where he's gotten 500 plate appearances in his entire right. career. Yeah. So, I mean, shoot, even this of, year, like great year like for him, three, but I think he played yeah. like 78 games this year or something like that. I think it was 89 and he had like 380 plate appearances. Like it, it's, yeah. There's some red flags. It's not a no-brainer. Yeah, like I'm, just I'm not... just like, I, it's a hard no for me at twenty million dollars a year. Yeah, at eighteen, I'm kind of hesitant, and even at sixteen, I'm not super on board with that. Ideally, oh, like if you could get him at two and twenty-eight with like a third-year option or something like that, I don't think that I think he's going to end up getting more than that. But for me personally, if you could get him at that deal, then that's where I feel most comfortable with him. Yeah. But you're likely going to have to give him more than that. And at that point, right. I just, I don't know if that's going to be worth it. Right. Uh, Garber, by the way, career high in plate appearances. He's never had more than 400. Yeah. In a season. So. And obviously that's going to come up in negotiations. So mm-hmm. is anyone going to give him, you know, close to $20 million a year? Probably not. Right. When we factor Plus, all of that in. The last four years, Garver's done that back and forth thing where he's really good and then bad. Really good. Mediocre. Yeah. Really and good. It doesn't, and, it's like, and it and it doesn't seem like teams right now, even with the uh how limited the hitting market is, that teams are necessarily giving in right now on hitters. Uh now we haven't seen a lot of deals, but like the Candelario deal, that's fine. Mm-hmm. 15 million a year for Jameer Candelario coming off the year that he's coming off of. That's totally fine. That's not, yeah, that's not an overpay. Yeah. Jason Hayward at $9 million for one year. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. about what you would expect in a normal year. So, so right. far, at least it doesn't seem like the poor hitting market is jacking up the prices of the hit of the offensive players, uh, which is yeah. a good sign for Seattle. Uh, one other thing I would note here, like in the whole Solaire versus Garver versus like just that general idea, the player who's more willing to be creative with their contract structure probably is going to be uh, the one that the Mariners prioritize. Like if, if Solaire's willing to take 6 million in year one, because he's going to make 27 million in the final year or whatever. And you kind of try and backload the contract to add more talent to this year. And Garver's like, no, I want 15 across the board. They're probably going to just pivot to Solaire. So that's something to right. keep in mind with every free agent right now. The structure of the contract is going to be incredibly important. That's going to do it for a show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Pennhood, I'm Ty Dan Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Ty Dan Gonzalez and Colby at CPAT11. That's CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Peace.